football news. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. Boilermakers start the second half of the season in playoff mode, needing four wins in five games to get back to a bowl game. It begins in Nebraska on Saturday. I'm Kyle Charters on the Golden Black Radio pregame podcast with Tom Deanhart, Brian Newbert, and Alan Karpik. Tom, the Boilermakers will travel over to Lincoln after the bye to take on the Cornhuskers, a big game for both of these teams. Purdue uh, clearly in need of a victory. Two and five after the break. Uh, needing wins in four of the last five games to get to bowl eligibility. Earlier in the week, Brian Walters said it well. I think uh, the playoffs are here, basically, for Purdue. If you look at needing four, seems like this Nebraska game would need to be one of them. Yeah, playoff mode were the awards that Ryan Walters used, and that's exactly right. And, yeah, Kyle, you're exactly point on about Saturday's game in Lincoln. It's a must-win if Purdue wants any shot to get to six victories. Um, we all can do the math, right? They're two and five, five games left. You have to go at least four and one, right? Uh, and uh, you were all assuming a loss in, at Michigan, which seems uh, plausible. No offense to Purdue. That means you got to win the other four, right? And it starts with Nebraska. So here we are, uh, sort of a back-against-the-wall game for the Boilermakers. It's a winnable game, Kyle. We all agree, right? I think the Huskers are given three, which is basically home field advantage. Purdue's won the last two times out there. I know that doesn't matter Saturday, but that's just some recent history. Uh, it's going to be a crazy, loud environment. It always is. And, and again, the Huskers have had their issues, so have Purdue. So, yeah, it's, it's a big game for both of these teams trying to get on track and get to a bowl this year. Yeah, sort of two programs who were in a very similar spot, right, with new coaches yeah. coming in and, you know, high expectations, I think, for both of those coaches. And things have not gone really according to plan, either in Lincoln or in West Lafayette. Uh, you know, so it makes it a big game for for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, two teams who are in need of victories. For Purdue, um, you know, what areas do you think the Boilermakers can be better than what they were in the first seven games? Well, I mean, um, you, you hope the offense would continue to evolve, I guess, uh, especially the pass game. Um, there hasn't been a lot of sizzle there as far as a real downfield game goes, I guess. Um, Hudson Clark can continue to always play better, too. So uh, I, I think the run game's been, been, been pretty good, Kyle. I think most people would agree. Devin Mock, he's playing really well right now. Got his fumbling issues out of the way. Tyrone Tracy is supposed to be back after missing a game and a half with a groin injury. That's a nice one-two punch, and they've been a pretty effective duo back there. Tied in play has been pretty good, too, right? Garrett Miller's sort of getting better and better as he comes back from that knee injury. And, uh, and again, that, that leaves you with the receiving core and the quarterback in the line. And the line sort of is what it is, has its moments. And like I said, if that passing game on offense can sort of take it up another level, Kyle, um, the offense you know, could be that much more effective. I think they're going need, to need to do that Saturday. Very good Nebraska run defense. So I think for Purdue to be effective, they're going to have to loosen that defense with, with, with some passes downfield. Yeah, really the number one objective right during this bye was to get some guys healthy. Now, Purdue has several guys who are out for the season, and unfortunately they come at some pretty key positions. Purdue really wasn't in a position to lose a whole lot of bodies. But as you mentioned, and you've said a couple of them, like Tyrone Tracy, Purdue hopes to be a little more healthy here with this time mm -hmm. off. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, 
you know, they've lost four guys, I think, for the season to, to injury, three on offense. The receiver from Florida Atlantic in training camp was a big one. Marcus Bow, of course, to a Max Claire. Then on defense, Marquise Wilson, maybe their best cornerback. And, uh, yeah, but the guys um, for, for that's available Saturday, I think they are in pretty good shape, Kyle. Sounds like the number one left tackle, Musa, is going to be ready and to go, which is good. They need him on, on, on the edge on the left side. I talked about Tyrone Tracy. I think we'll see him out there as well. So uh, those are some key guys who I, I suspect will be out there. I still think the Stanford cornerback, Slim Turner Muhammad, sounds like he's probably not going to be ready to go yet, which is unfortunate because that corner position could really use some more of a veteran presence back there. So, yeah, Purdue's health is pretty good for, for late October. Now, Nebraska, Kyle, they are really hurting, buddy. Yeah. Uh, the head coach announced three starting offensive linemen are out Saturday, two for the season. They've lost three or four receivers. They've lost a running back. So they've really dealt with a lot of attrition in Lincoln. Yeah, they've got all those injuries. They've made quarterback change. I mean, it has yeah. sort of been uh, just one thing after the other for Nebraska. And it's not like the Cornhuskers were in a great position to make a huge leap in year one for Matt Rule anyway. Yeah, you're right. So everybody's got a sad story they can tell you about their injuries. Nebraska's probably got a sadder story than Purdue's. And, and you're right. They've had to juggle a lot of balls in Lincoln. Matt Rule has the quarterback spot. You know, they got the quarterback from Georgia Tech who was supposed to be their guy. And, and now now they're using this uh, this big six foot five, 250-pound kid from, from Nebraska, an in-state kid uh, who's really an effective runner. I think he's fifth in the Big Ten in rushing. Uh, he's faster than you think. Uh, not a real good passer, but, man, I tell you what, they kind of play Iowa offense. They try to not beat themselves. Pound you, pound you, not make mistakes, wear you down, and, and then try to hit you for a big play. Yeah, I worked for the Hawkeyes a couple of weeks ago. It didn't really look pretty, uh, but well, Purdue couldn't that's, overcome uh, sort of that day in, in Iowa City either. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I, I think this game could look a lot like that game in, in Iowa City a few weeks ago. The over-under is only, I think, 39, pretty low, right? And uh, neither offense is that dynamic. And, uh, yeah, this could be an ugly game that, that really, uh, you know, gets tipped by the team. Maybe they can make the most big plays because the one big play that, like Iowa did with that long touchdown run in the first half. It really, really was the difference in the game. Much more to go on the pregame podcast. We'll talk to Tom a little bit more about matchups. We'll do that here uh, in a couple of minutes. Weather forecast as well coming up. It's going to be cooler as the weather changes. Out there in Lincoln, we'll talk to Brian Newber, bring in Alan Karpik as well. Let's take a break. This is Golden Black Radio. Hello from News 18. I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist Julia Prickett. The two and five Boilermakers are headed off to Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska to face off with the Cornhuskers. Kickoff is scheduled for 3.30 in the afternoon, and it's looking to be a chilly game. In the morning, we'll see temperatures in the 30s, and by kickoff, we'll reach our high of the day of 36 degrees and the rest of the game will stay in the mid-30s. With these colder temperatures, Raiders are showing a rainy-snowy mix very possible, with north-northwest winds coming in around 7 to 15 miles per hour with gusts in the 20s. This nasty mix of snow and rain could be a factor that could cause some game delays. All in all, Boilermakers should prepare for a soggy and chilly trip up to Nebraska. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist Julia Prickett, and as always... Boiler up, hammer down. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. 
TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent. Hey, we're joined by the great Sean Callahan, HuskerOnline.com, the preeminent source for uh, everything Cornhusker. Sean, great to talk to you, buddy. Um, going to be a fun game. Give our listeners a sense of what they can expect from the Nebraska offense on Saturday. Well, it's a really limited unit right now, Tom. Um, you look at just where they're at. I mean, this week as they got ready for Purdue, uh, Matt Rule announced his starting left tackle and his starting left guard are out for the season with injuries. Turner Corcoran's the left tackle, and then Ethan Piper was kind of the leader of that line. He's out. Then Nuri Nuelli, um, arguably one of their best, if not their best overall lineman to guard, he's out for a couple of weeks. So three of their starting five that started – that have started all year out with injury. Uh, they're going to have to plug in um, former left tackle starter Teddy Porhaska, former guard starter Henry Latoski, and then Justin Jenkins, who's played a little bit here lately as their other new bodies. But they have no backups, really no serviceable depth at this point in that line. To add to, in, uh, to that, they've lost four of their top five receivers and two of their top three running backs. So this is an extremely limited unit. I mean, it's all about just playing smart and capitalizing on opportunities in field position because they're probably not a good enough unit to drive the field consistently against most of these Big Ten defenses right now, which are all obviously very good defenses. And defensively, Sean, that's probably been the strength of the team this year. And it looks like statistically, well, it says it right here, that very good against the run. Just kind of give a – Give our, our fans a sense of what that Nebraska defense is going to look like and what it brings. Yeah, this, this defense has been outstanding. I don't think anybody could have projected that when they made the move to the three-three-five, it would look like this. But um, nobody has really ran it on them. Michigan did it to an extent, um, but you know, they, they, opening game of the year in Minnesota, they forced uh, the Gophers to throw it more times than they ever have in the PJ Fleck era. Forty-four throws. Mm-hmm. 35 of them in the second half. So they, they have the ability just to take you out of the run game. Um, and then, you know, on the back end, they have a very good secondary, very good linebackers, um, and they tackle in space. You know, when teams try to throw bubble screens and just plays out in the flat um, and play the numbers games, they get off blocks and make a lot of tackles. So that has been the real strength. Tony White, um, who Purdue fans are familiar with because he was at Syracuse, um, a year ago when the, when the Boilermakers played Syracuse, uh, is an outstanding coordinator. And, and you know, for Nebraska, he's going to be an important guy they got to keep in this program with that rule long term. Nebraska's about a three point favorite here, Sean, as we inch toward kickoff. Um, how do you see this game unfolding? This big one for Purdue, probably a must win for Purdue. Um, again, once this, once this ball gets kicked at 3.30 Eastern time on FS1, how do you see it unfolding? Yeah, it's it's going to be colder than what we've seen. Um, probably 
temps in the in the low 40s, um, and you know it's been really warm here. Every, every week it's been 70s, 80s, and 90s for every game. So it will be a little bit of a change uh, for the weather here for a 2:30 game. Uh, with that said, being at home, the emotion, the energy, the way this team has played for Matt Rule, um, I do think Nebraska will figure out a way to win this thing close. Um, it does scare you, though, with the Huskers' O-line situation. Um, it does scare you um, just that Purdue's coming off a bye week as well, that you know they're going to come out with some new things and new wrinkles. But um, I do think it's going to be low scoring, probably low 20s. Uh, but Nebraska probably figures out a way to win it late. It's going to be ugly. It's going to have a lot of ups and downs for both teams, um, kind of as we all would expect. Yeah, this could come down to turnovers. I know Nebraska's, I think, a last in the Big Ten in turnover margin. A lot of fumbles. Purdue's had some ball security issues. So this thing could come down to something like turnovers, Sean. Hey, I appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you Saturday, buddy. Thanks, Tom. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar dinner with family or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the Golden Black Radio pregame show, the most in-depth guide to Saturday's game you'll find, featuring the staff of Golden Black. Well, let's bring in Brian Newbert to get his perspective on the Boilermakers. Purdue with five games left after the bye here, uh, needing to win four to get to six on the season, get back in to the postseason. I don't know, though, Brian, that it's just as easy as saying, yeah, you get the six wins, and that means you've had a successful season. I think for Purdue this year, uh, with everything that's happened, that you know, perhaps you don't have to get to that mark. But I do think that here in these last five games, you have got to show uh, something uh, that you can build off of then going into the offseason to feel like uh, at least there's something there for year one here with Brian Walters. Yeah, before the season, I would have told you that six and six would have been a hell of a season. You take yeah. that every single time if you're offered it. Now, you know, when I would have said that, I would have said that as like the ceiling because the schedule got so uh, got so much harder than it was last season um, in terms of the non-conference season plus the way you started the 
schedule with Iowa and Wisconsin and getting Michigan back on the schedule in the regular yeah. season. Um, but, you know, now that you are where you are, I, I don't want to revise that, you know, um, in any way, shape or form. I still think six and six was your ceiling when you consider you have such a new roster, a new coaching staff, all of that stuff, a harder schedule. But if you at least, you know, flirt with it, if you at least, you at least get to those last couple of weeks and it's still in play, I, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world either. I'm trying to not, you know, revise the message here. Um, but now when you look at the second half of the schedule, you've got Michigan, which you're not winning that game. Um, especially considering they know all your plays and all your signals. <laughs> um, but even if, even if Purdue changed every one of its say, I'm just kidding, of course. Um, but no, I mean, the back half of the schedule, you know, the only eye level program in the big 10 you've had thus far uh, has been, has been Illinois and Illinois is still a place you're probably looking down on. It's not a, necessarily an eye level program. Yeah. Now the rest of the way here, you've got your Northwesterns, you've got your Minnesotas, you've got your Indianas. Uh, who am I forgetting? Nebraska. Uh, you got you got your you got your Nebraska. These are winnable games, and you know if, if Purdue just wins a couple of these games here and just Im- keeps improving as the season goes on, you know it's conceivable too. Coming out of the bye week, you see a different team than you saw going into it. Yeah. Um, so. I, I, I just think if you're able to win a couple of games here the rest of the way, and if you only end up with, you know, four or five wins done, you know, in the big picture, that doesn't look great. But, you know, at, at kind of the granular level of the process Purdue's um, involved with here, uh, it's not the end of the world. I mean, it, it's not what anybody would have wanted, um, but there's no getting Fresno back. There's no getting Syracuse back. There's no getting yeah. any of those games back. Um, so, all you can do is kind of make the best of it from here. But if you can win, you know, four or five games instead of six, I don't think that's any sort of indictment that this thing is just a complete abject failure. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, I I just think that probably within those games, you know, show some of the things that we've been talking about, right? I mean, just a little bit more consistency, perhaps try to establish a little bit more of an offensive identity or or show where Purdue is headed. With that a little bit, uh, you know, it feels like those things to me are the questions that I want to see answers to as much as just seeing the wins and the losses. Well, you know, uh, I'll go back and remind people, too, of something I think I wrote before the season was, you know, if Purdue just wanted to keep itself around that six and six, you know, five and seven mark, just stay there in kind of that permanent middle. Yeah, there's any number of boring old established head coaches they could have hired that would have jumped to this job who could have just kind of made sure the thing didn't go off the highway um purdue made a hire for four years from now five years from now not for this particular season i know that sounds you know a little bit um counterintuitive because you want to win every year and i'm not necessarily saying purdue was chalking this one up as a as a lost cause but i'm just saying purdue hired potential uh here with ryan walters and this very young staff potential to really really upgrade recruiting to really really become you know kind of that modern players coaching staff to thrive in the portal era you know all of that stuff and um i think the long-term view here is the much more relevant one to what happened against you know syracuse in week two in 2023 
<laughs> yeah, and, and big picture too with conference expansion. I mean, you, you really can't play it safe. It just doesn't feel like playing it safe is just not going to work. I mean, maybe right. it gets you maybe it gets you six and six here or there, but if you're trying to actually make a move and be relevant, you got to take a little bit of a risk too. Yeah, when Purdue hired Ryan Walters and them, uh, they didn't know Oregon and Washington were coming, but they knew USC and UCLA were coming. And if there's ever a time for big swings, you know, this yeah. is it because these middle-of-the-pack teams in the Big Ten, their upward mobility is about to be gone because this league is about to be an absolute monster, both in numbers and in the formidability of the people around you. you you're already – Everyone's already stuck behind Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Uh, you can throw Wisconsin in there. You can throw Iowa in there if you want. Um, but now you've got four power programs coming in, and they're either going to change the Big Ten or the Big Ten's going to have to change to accommodate them. Yeah. But whichever way that goes, they're still really good programs who are going to have great athletes every year, good coaches, and – a lot of people's best bets here is going to be to try to, try to be like the seventh or eighth best program in, in the Big Ten. And I just think that at some point in time, the bowl system is going to just turn into take whoever the hell you want because <laughs> there are going to be good teams. Yeah. It's going, to, it, it, it's going to be like Big Ten wrestling where you might be like 24th in the country, but like ninth in the Big Ten. Yeah. It's just the nature of the beast here. It's kind of been that way in the SEC for a while where you've had good Tennessee teams. You've had good Mississippi teams that just are just off the radar because they just get their doors blown off by, you know, LSU, Alabama, Georgia every year. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just I, I don't know why I'm talking about the SEC right now, but I, I'm just saying that this is the time for big swings. If you think there's a guy who can transform your program, Maybe not in September of 2023, but by September of 2025. Yeah. That's going to do you more good than hiring, you know, um, Troy Calhoun to get you to six and six or something like that. And right. we're going to see. Uh, we're going to see how it goes. There's no guarantee it's going to work. Um, but there's no guarantee either it's, it's not going to work. And, uh, you know, uh, seven weeks into, into year one is certainly not the sort of, sample size enough to draw broad conclusions based off of in my opinion i mean that, that's just where i'm coming from here yeah i agree with you thanks brian you're welcome back with more in a moment this is golden black radio designing and building since 1968 tnw has changed the way people think about construction tnw's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's hit the Big Ten Roundup with Alan Carpick. Take a look at the... Other games on the slate in the Big Ten on Saturday, just four of them outside of Purdue and Nebraska. Let's uh, let's hit those, Alan. Indiana plays at number 10 Penn State at noon on Saturday. The Nittany Lions, a 
32-point favorite in this one. Indiana is 0-4 in the Big Ten after a couple of non-conference wins, 2-5 and on the season, 6-1 and for Penn State, 3-1 and in the Big Ten coming off the loss to Ohio State. Is, is the show over for Tom Allen, or is it just a matter of whether Indiana wants to pony up for that buyout? Yeah, I, I, it's going to be fascinating to see. You know, I think it's a question around the entire Big Ten. What are Big Ten teams going to do with all this extra money and how they're going to spend it? Will Indiana really believe that it can compete and go get somebody else? I, I don't know. You know, you, you know that buyout situation is prohibitive, but Indiana is in a free fall right now, and, and uh, I don't see it getting any better. Maybe they'll be relieved by having – no divisions anymore, but then they've got four teams that are coming into the conference next year that they can't beat. So uh, I don't know. I, I think I think Indiana will be fascinating to see what they decide to do. And there's not a lot of hubris around the IU football program of thinking it's better than it is. So that leads me to believe that they might keep him around for a while. But uh, you know, we'll, we shall see. Yeah, it might be an ugly one there in Happy Valley for the Hoosiers uh, this weekend. Noon kick as well in Evanston, Northwestern, three and four, one and three in the Big Ten, welcoming in Maryland, which has fallen back to earth a bit here the last couple of weekends, especially last week, losing to Illinois, five and two, two and two in the Big Ten. Maryland is a near two touchdown favorites on the road uh, in this one. And Northwestern's been sort of sneaky here. I, you know, they, they struggled to get a victory against Howard, what, a couple of weeks ago last weekend, whenever that was, uh, by three points. Uh, you know, but Maryland's got to play better than what it has, certainly better than what it did last week. Yeah, this game has a bounce back feel to it, maybe <laughs> just because Maryland's kind of a you know, I still can't explain how you lose to Illinois, even though Illinois' defense is deep and decent. Uh, but that's the as we talk about every week, the week to week proposition of college football. But you know, I, I'm with you, Northwestern. I think Northwestern has played better than people. You know, you have to give them some credit for hanging in there. But I still think Maryland will have too much uh, against the Wildcats in this game, and will. And I think they have a still, despite the Illinois loss, have a decent season going with a chance at a decent bowl because somebody's got to go to these bowls. And uh, I think that they have a chance to 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 get to a decent one if they can you know, win out here or win out, win some games down the stretch, I should say. 3.30 kickoff uh, in Minneapolis, <laughs> uh, Minnesota, welcoming in Michigan State. The Gophers are four and three, two and two in the Big Ten after getting a win against Iowa last week in that <laughs> defensive battle. I, I don't even know if you call it a defensive battle. Offensively inept battle uh, against the Hawkeyes. Michigan State, 2-5, and 0-4 oh, in the Big Ten. Uh, the Spartans are on the road, so no one will be able to put anything inappropriate on the Jumbotron there in East Lansing, yeah, which was a huge mystery. I, I don't uh, how that How does happens. that happen? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Michigan State also uh, maybe benefits that it's not the Michigan team that's uh, it's the, the center of controversy this week. Yeah. Uh, but Minnesota won. I mean, the defense is good. The offense is not. Uh, and and that's probably good enough to win football games in the West. It is. And I wanted to pronounce Ethan Kalakimanis' name, I think, close to being correctly. They're just not good offensively. Minnesota, that is. the quarter. Of course, the Gophers quarterback, I think, only threw for what uh, – you know, he had a good good day, not really, but a 10 of 25 passing against Iowa. They just aren't – they're not good offensively. I keep looking at that game at November 11th as a game that Purdue can win, but certainly the win by the Gophers in Iowa, even though I'm not sure they did 
when that came based on that call still at the end. We can debate that another show. Yeah. But uh, it is, uh, uh, I think Minnesota wins that game, uh, but it could, you know, Minnesota just can't score enough that to whatever the seven and a half point spread or whatever that is, uh, it will be interesting to see who wins it. But I think Minnesota does win the game. P.J. Fleck tends to win the games he's supposed to win. Uh, he'll win this one, and it'll be a very interesting game on November 11th when the Gophers come to West Lafayette. All right, I will say this about the the Iowa call, and we, then we can can drop it. You can debate whether that's an invalid fair catch signal, I suppose. However, and I have always said this, you cannot go back to a review with just an open-ended review. Like, and we're going to look at the play and look for something to take the call off the board. You, you you're, you're a review has to be narrow in scope. If you go under the hood to look to see if a returner is out of bounds, then that's all you can look for. You cannot go under there looking for whatever to, to negate. I, 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 I agree. And I keep looking at it and saying, I know his arm was moving around. I get it. Uh, what the letter of the rule is, but yeah, you gotta have a, you gotta have ground rules set up and, and they, they went past those and in, in, in the end made a really, really tough call against uh, Minnesota. Yeah, I just don't get. It. I mean, the guy, guy is under the hood looking, and he's like, "Oh, we're gonna see yeah. if he's bounds." Oh wait, find something. Oh wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh wait, look, there's a you're a, you're, you're a process guy, Kyle. That's what makes you smart. But yeah, that's exactly right. You got to follow the process. All right, uh, prime time kickoff in Madison should be a great atmosphere up at Wisconsin. The Badgers are five and two, three and one. The Big Ten, Ohio State, third ranked team in the country, seven and zero, four and zero. In conference play, the narrative with Ohio State is starting to bother me. Everybody's like, yeah, Ohio State's good, but they're not as good as they used to be. Okay, well, they keep beating teams. Uh, I, I guess maybe will that end if they go up and, and win in a difficult place in Wisconsin? I don't know. Um, but Ohio State just keeps winning, uh, and it seems like they will again this weekend. They're a 14.5-point favorite. Yeah, and Braden Locke. I mean, they've got a backup quarterback at Wisconsin. I think he's going to get the start. That uh, that doesn't bode well in a first career start against really one of the best defenses. Uh, yeah, I get this narrative too, and on Ohio State to, to the fact that their quarterback isn't very good. Well, wait, <laughs> he gets the job done, and they really had a two touchdown win against Penn State, or let's just say they were in complete control of that game in the second half. Uh, uh, you know, that's pretty pretty. It's going to come down to Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, in on November the 25th, that's no great analysis, but uh, I do think that uh, the Ohio State and it's a tough environment. It's a bounce back game and all that, but I just don't know if Braylon Allen truly can run the football against that Ohio State defense, and I, I just don't see that happening. If Ohio State doesn't lay it on the turf four or five times, I think they're going to win this game and win it with relative ease. Yeah, Kyle McCord, quote, not very good. He's thrown for 1,937 yards, 12 touchdowns, oh. one interception this year, 61.6% uh, completion percentage. Now, I understand he's got some weapons, including Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, but the numbers are pretty good. I mean, I, I don't Right, and, and, and he's done it also without a running game that – I mean, without a star running back or standout running back, I should say – uh, though that's been a big deal. I mean, Ohio State's got talent everywhere it turns, but uh, Kyle McCord isn't bad. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, he's he's pretty good. Yeah, he uh, is. Uh, all right, that'll do it for our Big Ten Roundup. Let's go back in time. With a historical look, here's Alan Karthik. 
All right, Al, let's take a historical view at Purdue and Nebraska. Uh, Purdue has had success in Lincoln, uh, two and two overall in Lincoln against the Cornhuskers, but the Boilermakers have won the last two games uh, west. And overall in the series, no matter where the games are played, Purdue has won four of the last five against the Cornhuskers. Pretty good success against that squad. Yeah, who would have thought, you know, you go back and look at 1990s, or even early 2000s Nebraska football, that Purdue would have a series advantage all time against the Huskers, six out of 11 games, dating back to that uh, Purdue shutting out Nebraska in 1958 in West Lafayette, 28 to love on opening day uh, in the early days of the Jack Molenkoff era. But yeah, that's what's been surprising. Purdue has had Jeff Robb had success, had a couple of very important wins there. Uh, they won relatively easily in 2018, 42 to 28. Uh, and then uh, one in 2021, 28 to 23, to both Nebraska teams that were really struggling without question. Uh, but it has been, uh, it has been, you know, a really a good. In fact, Nebraska's lone win against Jeff Brom. Well, they won twice against in West Lafayette during COVID year. In a very forgettable game, the last game of the season, that 10 point Nebraska win, and of course the 25 to 24. Um, uh, or Nebraska winning West Lafayette in year one of Jeff Brom. And who was the Nebraska backup quarterback? I, 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 I shouldn't open ask open-ended questions <laughs> in this thing, but he came in and, and uh, played very well against Purdue. Oh, well, Riker uh, Fife. Riker Fife. Uh, there you go. Riker Fife came in and uh, uh, I believe and uh, and played very well against Purdue in that uh, in that win. And, and it was kind of a disappointing loss for Jeff Brom and company because of that uh, uh they were rolling along at that point and and let them a very average nebraska team uh tanner lee was their quarterback maybe that was who actually who was the quarterback i think Riker fight might have been a little bit earlier but either yeah. way the Boilermakers lost that game in 2017 in west lafayette but you're right your point also about the fact nebraska just not as good as the big ten had hoped it would be uh and that's storyline with the with the uh, Cornhuskers and whether Matt Rule get them back to that uh, will remains to be seen. I think you're right on the timing there. I think Riker Fife was previous. I just like saying the name Riker Fife. Uh, Riker Fife was a 55-45 game under Daryl Hazel when Daryl Hazel's team pulled up 55 points yeah. and combined 100 points and uh, <laughs> it was like Sandlot football as I recall. Yeah, that's that's John Shoup's one uh, claim to fame as Purdue's offensive coordinator, I think. Uh, at least he likes there to go. that oh. as, as the big one. Um, yep. That's not a very good Cornhusker team. Uh, so speaking of not very good Cornhusker teams, I was making this point earlier in the week. You know that the the divisions in the Big Ten are, are going to limp to a finish here, especially the the West division of the Big Ten. Really, if you look back at the history of this, a, a major reason why the divisions just didn't work is because Nebraska has not been the Nebraska that it hoped it would be and that the Big Ten hoped it would be. Uh, the Big Ten needed Nebraska to at least be Penn State, right? Uh, to, yeah. to sort of hold up the West in combination, you know, probably with Wisconsin, maybe to some extent Minnesota and hope that you would get a, a, a Purdue having good seasons and, and others as well. And Nebraska just has not been – it has not even been Penn State and certainly hasn't been Michigan or Ohio State. And it's, because of that, it sort of has just uh, – the West has has lagged significantly behind. Without question. I think that that's a, that is a huge factor. You, know, you would have thought Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska would be three teams that could at least – 
sniff be they'd still be lower echelon compared to Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State. I get that, but they would be that tough, gritty, dangerous team that those three teams would yeah. have to compete against. Wasn't the case uh, without question in Nebraska. Whether they get back to that, I, I have my serious doubts, but uh, they are certainly not at that point just yet. And Purdue has got another chance to take advantage of that uh, on Saturday. All right, thanks, Al. Thanks, Kyle. That's a historical view at Purdue and Nebraska. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more on Golden Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. All right, Tom, let's talk some matchups uh, in this one. Uh, whichever team can score, is that, uh, <laughs> is that what we're <laughs> looking at? I mean, each offense has had uh, some issues here, right? And, and it just feels to me like uh, whichever one can consistently play the best football is going to have an opportunity to win the game on Saturday. Yeah, Purdue's, you know, Purdue's got 21 total points the last two games. I know that's against Iowa and Ohio State, so two pretty good defenses. So, yeah, they're looking to get back on track. And, yeah, um, I think first team at 21 may win this thing. And each team's had its issues with turnovers. Maybe that's – it's always, turnovers are always a big issue in any football game, obviously. Nebraska has a national leading 13 fumbles. I think they're last in the Big Ten with a minus eight turnover margin. You know, Purdue had its fumbling issues early. That's in cards, so I think five picks. So turnovers are always big. Who's going to win that battle as well? And you know what, Kyle, when it comes to field goal kicking, neither team is that good. They're actually uh, pretty bad. I mean, Purdue's the worst in the Big Ten. They only made three and nine field goals. Nebraska's second worst. They made four of eight. Purdue hasn't made a field goal since the Illinois game on September 30th. They missed their last four. So my point is, Kyle, if this thing comes down to either team having to make a kick to win it, it could be a sort of harrowing. And, you know, for Purdue, it sounds like Ben Freehill is probably going to be back. Uh, he's missed four games, so he, he's had his issues too. But maybe just having him back some time off, maybe maybe he's got things sorted out. 
and you're bringing some consistency to that spot. You know, you made the reference earlier to the Iowa game. Uh, the Hawkeyes didn't do much offensively, couldn't throw the ball, yet they scored enough to win. And really, it was the one big play for Iowa that hurt, hurt Purdue's defense. I mean, that's to me, that's what you have to guard against again in a game like this where you feel like you're taking on an offense that might be a little bit one-dimensional. You just cannot afford to give up one play for 70 yards or some sort of back-breaking play early on that puts you in a hole. That's what happened against Iowa. Feels like it just cannot afford to happen again this weekend against the Cornhuskers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to make them earn it, Kyle. And Iowa hitting that at least a couple big passes. Well, I remember they had a big pass to that tight end, got him yeah. down on the five yard line once. But you're right. You just got to make Iowa earn everything and don't give up the big plays. Um, and of course, get a lead. I mean, you always want to get a lead, right? But especially against a team like Nebraska, they can get a lead and try to make that kid throw the football. That will play right into Purdue's hands. They don't want to throw the ball more than 20 times if they have to. So the more times they can make that kid drop back and try to be a quarterback, a true quarterback, you like Purdue's chances. So, yeah, be mindful of that. Purdue's had some slow starts this year, Kyle. It's going to be tough on the road in that environment. But, boy, it's going to be awfully important if they can get a lead and make that offense try to play from behind. Yeah. All right, Tom, who you got on Saturday in Lincoln? <laughs> I'm going Huskers. I'm going Huskers. I mean, I think they'll find a way. They won four of their last five. They got a lot more momentum. Uh, I think Purdue's probably the better team overall, all, all three phases. But I think, I think again, it's just going to be kind of like that Iowa game where Purdue was the better team too, on the, I think. But they, they didn't win. And I think the Huskers will find a way to hit that big player too. Get out of that thing with a win. I don't think they'll cover Kyle. I'm going Nebraska 21, Purdue 19. Yeah, I don't know. This is a real coin flop, coin flip game for me. I mean, uh, I, I feel what you're saying on on Iowa, and it is frustrating. I thought that that Iowa game was was very frustrating. I think from a from a Purdue perspective, and had to be even more so inside the locker room. I would imagine because you're right. I just hard not to look back at that game and feel like Purdue was the better team, uh, yet yet it loses the game, um, and that's that's a difficult scenario. And you hope that it's not. The case again for Purdue on Saturday. Um, I've got the I've got the Boilermakers winning narrowly, twenty four to twenty. Um, I I just think that Purdue has Purdue has then a lot of these teams that the Boilermakers are playing in the West. Purdue has, in theory, more balance offensively. It feels like and more ability. <laughs> a higher ceiling it feels like and and i know we have not consistently seen that but it just feels like at, at one point something's going to click for purdue on offense and you yeah. know at some point maybe you decide that that just isn't going to happen mm -hmm. uh but i guess at least for this weekend i feel like it is uh and that, that something is going to click at least to get 24 points on the board which i think uh both of us probably agree 24 points might win this one um so <laughs> yeah so I will take the Boilermakers with without a lot of confidence, but I will take Purdue winning uh, 24 to 20. All right. Thank you, Tom. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right. That'll do it for our show for Tom Deanhart, Brian Dubert, and Alan Kerpik. I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Gold Black Radio.